0: Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your hosts, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton.
1: Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to another episode. This is episode 49. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, with my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, what's up, buddy?
0: Uh, Josh, you know... It was a great week. It was a really, really a great week. And, and I went to Houston. I got invited to this, um, like, um, kind of, it's like, kind of It's like, like a important people. I don't know why I got invited. They got me on the list confused. But I got invited to this important people type dinner, roundtable thing. Um, got to meet with some fans on Thursday. And, you know, the one person who did not come up my whole Houston trip this time, the one person, I, I had a lot of people come up. But the one person I did not have to hear about was where is Josh Shelton? And let me tell you something, it was nice. It was lovely. It was a thing of beauty. And um, no one asked where you were. No one cared anymore. So apparently, some folks out there do appreciate me, and not not you. And so that was it. Was nice to just kind of go and not have to hear where you were because I don't know if I could take a, another week in a row. You got you got to take what you can get, man. Hey hey, hey <laughs> I will I will I'll take what I can get now. I may or may not have paid those people not to bring your name up before they did, but you know, they didn't do it. So that's all I got. I got to take it.
1: That's hilarious. So, uh, you, you met them. Where, Where did you meet them at? I know you were traveling a good bit this week.
0: Yeah. Well, there's, um, Brian Mon, um, one of the listeners of the show has a group of people. He kind of, um, gets together and, um, they invited me to come to that. And so that was nice at the Capitol grill, um, there in Houston. And then um, one of the listeners reached out. I'd emailed him one of the Arctic cups. If you hadn't seen our Arctic cups, you can go to Instagram page at takes one gas podcast. But, um, I'd mailed it to him and it didn't, it didn't, uh, get there. I don't know if we had the wrong, we had the wrong address or something, I guess on the label. And so I just told him, I said, Hey, I'll be down in Houston. be happy to bring you a cup myself. And, um, uh, and so I did. And, um, uh, I got to sit down we had a little starbucks and uh they're actually from him and his brother from iraq getting ready to graduate from houston as petroleum engineers and, you know we talked about the market and you know stuff like that for you know 15 20 minutes was great had a great time really and so uh loved meeting up with those guys and so it was uh you know it was nice it was nice it was nice fantastic. to uh yeah no it was it was really fantastic and uh hopefully i'm, fi- I'm finally putting this josh shelton business behind me right not to hear about it everywhere i go so it's oh, no. uh
1: don't get too hasty now. Get
0: too hasty. <laughs> <laughs> well, well for those of you, we, uh, go, oh, sorry, whoa, whoa, sorry, I was gonna say, yeah, for those of you who do want to hear Josh Elton's voice, you have to hear him on Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or iTunes, because you will not see him in public, unfortunately. Like you will see me, a man of the people. Um, First Friday Q and A is just around the corner. I know I got a question in yesterday, I think, or two days ago. I have not sent it to Josh yet, but. Uh, that is, I think, is it next week, Josh? First Friday Q&A? Yeah, it next is. week it's is a short first week. Friday Q&A. A short So, yeah. yeah, so we'll be doing that um, next month. And uh, we've also got to thank our sponsor, which is R&D Pipe Company. Um, really excited. They have been a good sponsor for us. I was at their office yesterday. Actually did Texas Oil & Gas Live, the Instagram show I do six days a week on Texas Long Gas Podcast on Instagram. Um, did the show from there yesterday and had a good time hanging out with those people. Um, always love hanging out with Ron Underwood and, you know, they're really excited. We talked last week, um, about them getting in the NASPD and all what that means for them. So a lot of good stuff's happened RD pipe company. And, you know, I know, um, we, we, we've talked about it a little bit, but I really want to thank them for sponsoring the show for January and February so far. And um, So anyways, be sure to go check them out. Uh, I would recommend starting with the interview we did for the first ever First Friday Q&A, um, just a few episodes back, the beginning of January, um, with Ron Underwood. I sat down with him and just kind of asked him some questions, and he is a wealth of knowledge. And so um, anyways, Josh, I know we have some exciting news about um, some future sponsorship stuff that we're looking at. Can't quite announce that yet. And so we're excited about that. And um, i excited about a lot of other stuff that's kind of going on in the background here.
1: Yeah, man. And, and so uh, you speak, spoke of uh, R&D Pipe. We, uh, like you mentioned, we have some some interesting sponsors coming up. We also had, uh, I want to give a shout out to several people. Uh, a half a dozen people went and gave us a five-star review in iTunes last week. So uh, that was awesome. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Uh, we had Kristen, who went in and uh, left us a written review. Uh, so we wanted to give her a shout-out. Thanks, Kristen, for the, for the great review. Uh, she said, uh, for the most up-to-date oil and gas news, we're excited to be a partner and sponsor. So she is someone with r and Pipe Company and left us a five-star uh, review with a, with a great written little snippet for us so we really really appreciate that yeah
0: and thank you to everyone who just took the time to leave us um the reviews so we have as Josh mentioned a handful of five stars we have those two lingering one stars which you know we can't get rid of those unfortunately but they're there and we had a four star and hey listen a four star is fine i mean that's that's a fair thing you know we we, we made mistakes and mess up so i can live with a four star but we really do want the the written part because that that's really you know we don't just say that just to say it it does um Help us understand what you like, what you don't like. You know, the first Friday Q&A, it helps us understand what kind of news you um, you want to hear, what kind of stories you're interested in. And, and one final thing is, Josh, one of the things when I meet with the listeners when I'm out and about is always asking, what do you like about the show? What kind of information do you want to hear? And we, we take that data. And so it's not just a kind of a thing we throw out there flippantly. It's really important for how we structure the show. And if you, if you kind of hear two or three shows where the content's not relative to you, any, uh, relevant for you anymore, you need to email me right at global.com because we want to make sure that we're, we're covering a lot of news. And, um, as we, as I tell every listener I meet up with, you know, Josh and I were on here, we record a show and we hang it up. We go, okay, that sounded okay. What do you think, yeah, it sounded okay. And then we edit it and we produce it, you know, we, but we, until we get their feedback, you know, it's really hard for us to judge, um, you know what the listeners think. We do see our subscriber numbers are growing, which is always a good thing. And so that's um, positive. Final thing, Josh, we got our hard hat stickers in, and man, they are slick, if I do say so myself. And so if you get on the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast page on Instagram, you can find a link to how to sign up for those, or you can email me uh, right at com, and I'll be happy to point you in the right direction. We mail them out, they're free of charge. We'll just stick them in the mail. Um, Actually, Kristen over at RD Pine Company, they have uh, taken care of mailing those out for us. And the folks at U.S. Safety Sign and Decal, that's U.S. Safety Sign and Decal, they are our official hard hat sponsor. And so be sure to thank those folks. Um, I'll be meeting up with them when I go to Tulsa here April 5th for the Pipeline and Energy Expo. I'm I'm that got that award, I'm I'm a finalist for. So I'm up there for them uh, for that. And be be happy to meet up with the folks from uh, U.S. Safety Sign and Decal, which is again, the hard hat sticker sponsor for the Texas oil gas podcast.
1: Awesome. Well, Ryan, before we jump into the articles, there's one more thing. Uh, you mentioned the questions of the month, first Friday questions of the month. Uh, we need some more questions. We have, we have enough to cover us for, you know, a couple, couple months, but we're getting low. We need, we need people who are listening. If you have any questions, some things you'd like to ask us, email them to Ryan at globalenergymedia.com. And we will uh we will get to them straight away. So, yeah, and hey, hey Josh,
0: all uh, listeners. Real quick on that. You make a good point. We you know we always um we ask for questions and someone the other day they said, Hey, I sent you a question and you didn't answer it and, and it is right after I just I just had asked for questions. And so there's a couple things there. First off, when we get questions in, um what what Josh is doing is he's getting these questions in that you're sending to, to me and I give them to him, um, and he's looking at them and he's trying to figure out you know is there a theme is there a thread is there, there sometimes you'll see two or three questions that are the same, um, sometimes we don't really have anything that we've covered in um, relationship to that story and so we got to kind of do a little, a little research to make sure that you know we answer it the right way so um, please the more questions we get. Um, we will answer them all and I do answer some of them on text One gas live. And so, um, so we will get them, but it's important to get the, the more, the merrier. So I know Josh is saying, Hey, we got a few months worth until you're like, well, I'll get around to it. Actually, no, that's kind of, we, we need them. We need the more now because some of the questions we have are, are almost duplicates of each other because listener, a, sends in a question, listener, B sends in kind of the same question. And so we'd like to be able to spread out our answers, um, or answer those two at the same time. So the more questions, the merrier.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It gives me more time to get ready too. I mean, we had a question about the abiotic oil. That was uh that was a tricky one to to really dig into.
0: Oh, I, I just had that on top of my head, Josh. You had to look that one up. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: there you All right. Well, uh, well Ryan, we're gonna go ahead and jump into some of the news. Uh, a couple um couple of small pieces of news that uh, that I saw this week was a Texas pipeline uh, is, is based out of houston uh that one of the things that they mentioned was is that half of the pipeline is going to be made in turkey uh so they're talking about some of the production advantages that they're getting from getting some of the the steel and stuff from uh, some of the pipe from turkey but they're building this pipeline and uh for the most part it looks like uh, a, a huge huge plus for the area it's supposed to be like a 400 plus mile pipeline conveying natural gas from the permian to corpus christi texas so um interesting thing to keep keep our eye on and uh what do you think about you know getting some of that stuff made in turkey i know we, a lot of people get a bad rap for going out of country to to buy things but what do you think about that Ryan?
0: you know it's funny josh because um i looked at the articles that you prepared for today's show um they have a theme that you're going to see here and i don't think you do this on purpose maybe you did um but the theme is, is that oil and gas is an international business, and we always need to remember that. And that is important. We want the global economy to be an international business. Um, it's good. You know, I don't get into economics right now, but it's good the more trade that goes on. In the front, we talk about division of labor, stuff like that. The more you look at stuff from a global global perspective, the better it is. So, first off, this is a great thing. Um, if assume, okay, I'm, I'm making some assumptions when I say that. I'm assuming the price of the steel is high quality and it's safe and all that kind of stuff. So, if you assume that, that's fine. But if it's cheaper to get it in Turkey, there's no reason not to get it in Turkey. And I know. Um, People say, well, we want American jobs and and I'm all for that. But you had to go back and kind of listen to us talk about the division of labor on previous shows um, to kind of understand why we're saying this. So I think it's a good thing if assuming that it's the same quality steel. Um, I worked on a 42 inch pipeline one time, Josh, and I remember um, hearing about the the project director at the time was going to India or Pakistan. I can't remember. It wasn't Turkey, I don't think. It was India or Pakistan or somewhere. This has been uh, when I first was in the business. So This has been 2000. Six, two thousand five, seven, something like that. Anyways, and he was going over there looking for pipe and stuff, steel, and he was visiting these these um, pipe manufacturer uh, uh, plants around the world. And so it's not uncommon, but it's actually a good thing. We want this international trade to be opened up, up. If you remember, we talk about oil, and we're talk about this a little bit more in a second. You know, the U.S. couldn't sell to oil just for a couple of years ago. So um, international trade is always a good thing. Is uh, assuming it's being done fairly, it's always a good thing in my opinion. Absolutely, yeah.
1: And Ryan, we have you know we had Sergio Chapa on last week. He talked about uh, they were you know doing some funding to deepen the Corpus uh, Christi Canal and the channel there. And uh, we've talked a little bit about super tankers uh, over the past say six months or so. Well, uh, we got some news. I got this actually from CNBC. Uh, the first oil super tanker capable of carrying two million barrels of crude was being loaded in louisiana this week um so that they're saying this is going to be a huge contributor to the united states becoming a net exporter of oil so that's a a huge super tanker that's carrying uh, two million barrels ryan that is enormous
0: Yep, and, and so it's not a necessarily a Texas story, but it, it kind of follows that that thing exactly, like we talked about last week. And this is what I'm talking about. And you go back to the turkey story. We're, we're going to buy steel from Turkey. Now we're exporting our, our oil on super tankers. Um, it's good for business. You know, one of the things is um, sometimes, Josh. You know, when we work in business, um, we can become very localized, and we forget about you know buying stuff internationally. Buying stuff internationally, everything you own, for the most part. Um, is going to have some kind of international flavor to it, um, whether it's a you know a small piece made in China or maybe a lot large, large portion made in China. So, yeah, this is good, and this is why we need to get this Texas Port of Corpus Christi thing done. We need this deal done. We need these super tankers coming in here in Texas, helping out um, the Texas producers. You know, we need we need as Sergio said, it's not just deepening for one one to come in; it's widening it for two. And so, we need to be get them suckers in and get them out. That's uh, it's just really important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, Ryan, we we had, uh, I think it was about, I mean, it was a long time ago. We were talking about the Permian and it had a shortage of water, uh, which is an interesting problem to have. Uh, there was the first uh, water and energy conference um, that they were talking about the Permian and some of the struggles and difficulties they've had. Uh, but this conference was held, I believe it was last week, and people were getting, uh, getting together and trying to come up with a a solution to this uh, water challenge in the permian basin um, they have some numbers here ryan that they used about 20 million barrels of recycled produced water in its operations that was just the company apache from 2013 to 2016. so in three years they used 20 million barrels of recycled water um, and so obviously it's an issue that people are trying to trying to address and uh, it was it was great for me just seeing that they, they were putting some conferences together getting some smart people um, together to, you know, to discuss ways they can come up with a, with a solution.
0: Yeah. And this, this is the question that I actually answered on text gas live. We got in from a listener and, um, and they, they said, Hey, can you go ahead and answer this? And so there's another article that was out from the San Antonio um, express or register. I, I don't remember now. And it talked about, not necessarily from this angle, but just kind of the volume of water that's using was kind of breaking down the numbers. And you know, my, my thoughts on this. The question that, uh, that the listener had was kind of more about um, what do I think that the future is for using water in the Permian. And I, and I said a couple of things. You know, really, it's going to be about. First off, um, it's going to be about cost. So if if it's if it's the same price, okay, and it's the same, it's it's the same. If it's the same price, then it doesn't really matter. Um, but if it's, not, if it's not the same price, then the producers are going to go with what's cheaper when the price is lower. If the price is higher and there's a lot of money floating around, okay, well we can go with something a little bit more expensive. The other thing is, is environmental regulations okay and this article talks about from county to county you kind of have a different situation what's going on there so that's gonna be the second thing that's gonna impact you know, what kind of water they're using and then the third thing is gonna be public sentiment and and, and the public sentiment it's kind of tough because on some level you might go out to a rancher's property and he might want you to drill that freshwater well because when you leave he's gonna get benefit from it um but you know the, the folks in town may not want to so you kind of sometimes can get a mixed bag on what exactly the, the public wants there I do think it's a very important conversation to have. As we said on the show time and time again, Josh, as oil and gas professionals, we need to sit down, hear these objections or hear these concerns or hear these, you know, wh- whatever it is, hear these ideas and, and go, okay, well, let's make sure we think about this properly. If we're not handling it the best way, how then do we handle it? And we got to look at it and we got to be able to present what is the best way, what's the most effective way um, and what helps all parties. It's one of those things where there has to be give and take on some sides, Right. So the oil and gas companies, um, if the oil and gas companies, and I'm not saying I'm saying this, but if they were to say that, well, um, buying this this water or bringing it in um, is going to cost us, you know, 50 more, and therefore the, the wells become less less profitable, well then uh, they may be drilling less. And if they're drilling less, then the mineral owners are going to make less money. And so, you know, there's that side of it. Whereas um, the mineral owners may say, ah, oh, yeah, drill out here, we don't care, and they drill, and then all of a sudden the water. Table, um, you know, there's there's less water because you're drawing so much water, and all of a sudden the people in the city are like, whoa, 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 whoa hold on, hold on, <laughs> you know, we have less. You know, you're impacting our water levels now. Um, so it's it's one of these things where it has to be a good dialogue, and I'm, I'm glad to see this, you know, because we got to talk about it, we got to think about it, you know, wh- what's beneficial for everyone. First off, is going to be something that's going to be a give and take on both sides of this um uh, this 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 topic here.
1: Yeah, that that's kind of uh, that's kind of what I'm hoping to see. You know, hopefully, the conference was made up of you know not just one side. You know, hopefully, there's people that can that can you know discuss these issues in a fair, even even handed, you know, balanced, uh, balanced fashion. So something to definitely keep a keep an eye on. Yeah, right and
0: John, and real quick, Josh, I just, I just want to point out one thing. Um, it says, this is a, l- a little note the article has. It says water deliveries from the uh, the Colorado River Municipal Water District, which applies 70% of the city of Midlands water, has fallen about 23% over the past 10 years, while the population of the three city members, uh, Odessa, Big Spring, and Snyder, have climbed about 20, 20%, to total about 150,000 people um and you know and so one of the things is we had a drought here in texas that started in 2011 and then you increase the population like you know that says that you know the population has climbed 20 percent um and then you have drilling going on and so you have all this stuff and, and when you have drilling going on you have people staying in hotels hotels are full so the the, the demand of the water is, is you know, it's, it's coming from everywhere
1: mm-hmm. yeah i'm sure that puts uh that's probably where the, where the squeeze is coming from. I mean, uh, the, that drought probably the, the spearhead of it. But you know, we, we talk a little bit about it, Ryan, when stuff like that happens. You know, in droughts a lot of times it pushes for us to become more efficient, and and hopefully we can take the you know, some of the struggles that they're having and build a model uh, that that will you know, make make the use of water more efficient, so that they you know it's not as not as a uh, rare you know you're right and and
0: anytime anytime we have like we talked about on this show josh um with some of the mexico stuff we've seen like the pipelines that are going across to circumvent the panama canal anytime that you have um the potential to um you know either tighten your budget or your resources you're going to try to figure out new ways and so i think you're dead on the money there the the drought um you know and the 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 water being less available is going to make producers have to figure out you know how can they navigate this you know, to use a bad, the bad analogy, but how can they navigate this stream, if you will?
1: Yeah, well, uh, Ryan, uh, another comment about Sergio, he came on last week. He had a lot of good information last week, by the way. Um, but he mentioned Sh- uh, Chenier Energy had a huge contract with China uh, to supply LNG. Um, there's a, a company in Houston, uh, Noble Energy, uh, just created some waves in the Middle East uh, about a decade ago but they just signed a deal where they're going to be transporting uh, LNG from Israel to Egypt. Uh, The deal is worth about $15 billion. So the LNG is going to be uh, being drilled in Israel and Noble, a Houston based company is going to be supplying it, transporting that. Is that right, Ron?
0: Yeah. Well, there, you know, so, a couple things here. Um, so the Israel-Egypt deal, if you're kind of curious about that, Ellen and I talked about that on Energy Week, um, the the most recent one. So if you go look it up at his podcast, it should be the most recent one. Um, well, depends on when this podcast is released, I guess, but <laughs> it's um, episode, I don't remember the episode number, but it's the last one or two we talked about this deal. And so, uh, yeah, so Noble, essentially, you know, they, they've – it, you know, there's an interest in what's going on here from Noble, and also um, another company who's looking for some oil. But yeah, they they um they um they found um, two large natural gas fields in Israel. And so yeah, if you you know it's one of those things we talk about jobs and stuff like this. It's interesting, you know, you know I, I don't know if they're going to hire local people in Israel um, or if um, you know they'll send some folks over. But it's you know it is one of those things if you're maybe looking for a little international flavor, yeah, maybe something to check out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're in Houston or got any connections with uh, with Noble Energy. Yeah, you know, I was looking through the article, Ryan. and mentioned another uh, company, a Dallas-based company called Zion Oil and Gas. Uh, I'm not sure how many of, of our listeners have heard of them. Uh, they just had a couple of interesting comments that these folks were—they're looking for oil and gas in Israel um, and have been for several years. I heard about them about five five years ago, I believe. They they were. Somehow came up in conversation because they were using some biblical references to try to find, uh, locate uh, oil and gas. So uh, I don't really have an opinion on it. I thought it was interesting they put it in there that uh, along with Noble, they're trying to, trying to take advantage of, of any opportunity they can find with oil and gas in Israel.
0: With a name like Zion, it's not really surprising, is it, that they're trying to no, work in Israel?
1: Right. <laughs> I mean, you gotta, it's, right.
0: it, it's pretty clear what their business, what their business goals are on some level. But good for them. Um, it, but this kind of goes back to what I was saying. Here we are once again talking about international, and we're not turning this into an international show based for right, the imagination. But sometimes it is good to be reminded that hey. You know, what happens in Texas, um, especially, you know, Houston is the oil and gas capital of the world. So, what happens around the world, you know, it, it impacts Texas, especially from an oil and gas standpoint. So, it's always good to be reminded of all these international connections that come right here from the state of Texas.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it's funny, you know, a lot of these a lot of these big companies that are making all these international moves are hubbed in Texas, you know, Dallas and, and uh, Houston. Yeah. We have another company ryan uh one of the one of the bigger companies that had a great year last year apache corp said that in 2018 they're planning to invest three billion in oil and gas capital Uh, more than 70 percent of that three billion is supposed to be allocated to the permian so uh, they are they're trying to pump, uh, you know, some some more assets into the Permian Basin. I think it says 500 million approximately for the Alpine High Midstream. So, um, internationally, Al- Apache, uh, Ap- Apache, sorry, um, continues to invest all over the place. Egypt and the North Sea, especially, but the predominant uh, bulk of their of their investment is in their capital is definitely going toward the Permian.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we, we said before Apache is one of those blue chip companies and here it is. I mean, they're, you know, we're seeing folks that are really going, going big in the Permian and, um, you know, you got this Alpine high, we talked about this Alpine high. There was a story out. I don't remember Josh, uh, September, October, we kind of talked about, I think it was Apache and what they had going on with their Alpine high stuff. And, uh, you know, no surprise. I mean, it's no surprise. That's good, but you know, it's kind of that. Hey, you know, if you're not working for Apache, you know, it's it's a good time to start trying to.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're they're looks like they're gearing up for an enormous year. Uh, so it's something that I'd like to kind of keep an eye on. I think uh, it says here from 2018 to 2020, Apache expects to invest approximately 7.5 billion to um, in the upstream worldwide and 1 billion in the Alpine High. Uh, one last thing, Ryan, before we uh, we wrap everything up with uh, going over to Drilling Info. There was a, a article that I saw, Texas regulators on verge of approving Sempra's $9.45 billion purchase of Encore. Um, this is just a, a big piece of news that I saw that came out. It's not uh, specifically oil and gas, but uh, I, I imagine this is going to have ripple effects with all sorts of companies in the area. So just wanted to throw it out there. Um, Sempra's is making a pretty big move in the energy field in Texas. So um, I'd be interested to see how that affects some of the oil and gas companies in the area.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things that it's, you know, um, folks are um, going to follow closely for sure. Uh, what Josh, we got our, we got our drilling info rig count today, don't we? Once again, which uh, we, we love the folks who are drilling info. So what do we, do you have the rig count for us?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, Ron, we got, uh, Drilling info, we pulled the rig count, and it's showing that it is the same as it was last week. So it was 1,035 last week, and it's 1,035 today. I believe Wednesday it was at 1,038. So uh, it's just hanging, hovering right in there around that 1,035 mark.
0: Right. It, well, and I know some listeners go, hey, I've heard someone say the rig count do not really pertain to me, but this is one thing I just want to make a note of. Um, I'm looking at the drilling info um, rig count um, for the – it looks like I can get it pulled up back to the 23rd. And we're recording this on the 23rd. So, yeah, 30 days is what it goes. Um, and 30 days ago, the rig count was 1,050. And now the recount count is 1,035. Okay. R- remember all of the hype and the hysteria that happened when the rig count shot up, um, according to Baker Hughes, early in the year and the production came up? Well, now the rig count's down. We're down. You know, 15, what, 15 rigs? Is that what I said, 150? Yeah, mm-hmm. 15 rigs. And so we're down 15 rigs over the, over the month. And so, um, but you don't hear people going, oh my gosh, the rig count's falling and the price is going to, you know, needs to skyrocket to adjust. It's one of these things when you watch the price, we always have to remember that the people who do the pricing the traders, they love volatility. And so, you know, I'd be curious to see how Baker Hughes comes out with their rig count later today after we record this and to see how the market reacts. But according to doing according to info, which is, um, in my opinion, probably the, the best of the business, you know, they're down 15 rigs. So, um, oh, I'm sorry, they're not down 50, 15 rigs a the week. They're down 15 rigs over the month. And so, um, month. yeah, and, and yeah. that's what you should, you know, you know, we, you know hey, we, the market's got to balance out a little bit. So it's n- no real surprise there. Yeah,
1: yeah, but I, I really, uh, I really like to uh, take a look at that month over month. We probably should uh, kind of incorporate something like that, mm-hmm. where we, rather than just giving it for the mm-hmm. little, kind of giving a little snapshot of the month.
0: You know, week. I wonder if we get the folks at Doing Info to give us a um, a yearly, monthly, and quarterly breakdown because that's kind of how I like to look at it. You know, where were we a year ago? Because that's what you know, that's going to be kind of a, 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 an interesting figure uh, because you know certain times of the year. You're going to see, you know, so when drilling is really at its peak, where, last year was at its peak. I'm curious what it was. Um, and then, you know, what was it a month ago? That's kind of a little bit better trend of what's going on, at least for the producer side. And the quarter, that kind of backs you up, you know, from the last earnings report. And so I, I like to look at it from those metrics. The, the daily stuff is important if you're out there in the field and you're trying to figure out that the reason they have access to the daily thing. Let's talk about this real quick is because they have the GPS trackers on um, 95% of all the rigs, which means that if you're out there in the field, you might not need the daily rig count per se, but you need to know where your rig is at. And so it's kind of like they already have the information, therefore they're making use of it more more than one way. Um, So I like, so the other thing about the daily rig count, and this is one of the things that's kind of frustrating is, is that you I think it's gonna take a long time for people to grab onto it because they don't like this. If you're a trader, you wanna hear those storage reports come out on Wednesday and go, Oh wow, well, let me overreact. And you wanna hear the the um the recount for Baker Hughes on Friday and go, Oh wow, let me overreact. Well, here drilling info is getting to you daily. And so you can't overreact to just about anything. I mean, I guess in theory, a bunch of rigs would pop up overnight. But for the most part, you know, it's, it's just kind of, you know, you, you can look at the line here. You see it, Josh, on, the, on your screen. It's just a nice little, slow, like rolling heels, nothing major. And so when you see that, it's not that big of a deal. But when you see the statistics, you know, rig count increases 10% or you know 15 rigs up over the week you're like oh my gracious well okay and so anyways so i think i love what they do i think it's great i'll be curious to see how long it takes to overtake baker hughes because that was the industry standard for so long um but how long it takes overtake them just from the standpoint of people that are in the trading business i don't really think um are, are, are warning this information because it takes some of the volatility out that they can create in the market
1: yeah i think i mean, absolutely i think people use that uh I mean if you look at just the way people handle stocks when they go up a little bit or go down a little bit, people try to make a big deal about it. And I think people play on that. They just use that as opportunities to
0: make news right news and- I always point I always point to Brexit, Josh. Um, I was in Africa when Brexit happened and so I, I'd been there for like I when I think I'd been there like two or three weeks. So I didn't even know the vote was happening. I was just in Africa mode, you know, going to a couple different countries and, you know, doing stuff. And, um, so Brexit happened. And I remember just catching the news and I was like, Oh, okay. What's going on here. And they talked about the stock market falling. And, and I'm almost a hundred percent sure. I look this up. I'm almost a hundred percent sure the stock market recovered within two days. Mm-hmm. So it plummeted overnight on fear. And this was the thing. It was on fear of what might happen. Well, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Brexit, but that was a it was two years before the they could even exit the EU. So it was two years, and all of a sudden all these people got so scared they had to sell their stock. Okay, well, let me tell you something. That's a bunch of bull. That's that's people calling up folks, you know, they're they're creating false fear in the marketplace so that people do start selling and then they can buy it up as it goes down and as it comes back up. I'll go back before next show and I'll I'll get the actual numbers, but I'm pretty sure within 48 hours, um, maybe 72, um, maybe it's two weeks. It doesn't matter. It was within a short enough time period that people were were, they sold it and they bought it back, which means they made a fortune on that stuff. And so I'm a free market guy, but I'm also a guy that says, hey, you know, we got to be real here. You know, if you're, if you make money off of volatility, then you want volatility. Um, and so it's one of those things that a lot of people, they, they, they just don't think about. And I didn't think about it for a long, long time. I didn't even consider it until I started following traders on Twitter. And I just watched what they say about various things. And that's our notice this pattern towards the end of the day. They're getting frustrated, man, this, this, you know, this, the stock hadn't moved much today. This commodity has been pretty flat. And it's like, well, hold on, wait, why are you wanting it to move? And it's like, oh, wait, I get it now. You need to move to make money because, you know, that you're not really concerned about the prices like we are. You know, we're concerned because of what's going on. You need to move to make money. And so um, I, I love what, I love this recount and I hope it takes off faster. I think that the battle they're going to have to overcome at doing info is that some people in the industry really don't want this data. The smart folks, if we have traders out there, if you're a smart person um go ahead and get you know look at this because you have the information and if you have traders who are truly reacting to the volatility of the baker hughes count, you would have a lot better insight of where they're going to go before the count comes in on friday and then you could actually reverse play what they're going to do you know so if you can look at the rig count, you can figure out the, the pattern between baker hughes and drilling info um then on friday you can say okay well Baker Hughes is probably going to come out the number like this. Therefore, the the traders are going out like this, and therefore, I need to go ahead and position myself to 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 make a little money off that action. And that would be if you got if you're a trader out there. This isn't legal advice. Talk to your lawyer. Entertainment purposes only. Yada yada yada. You know, drilling equipment, paying me, it's not an advertisement. You know, all, all that disclaimer, is Just just Ryan's two cents.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think that's great, Ryan. I think uh, I, I I'm I'm really curious to see at how many people do want something like that in the marketplace and if it I think for the majority it would be very helpful. I think there's a you know there's a minority that may not want it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, to move the price of the oil to, to oil and gas, it's got to be big money, right? Me and you go in there and, you know, drop our, you know, well, I don't know. I don't know Josh Shelton goes in there and spends a little money. <laughs> it's just a different story. <laughs> if I go in there and rub my two nickels together, not a lot's going to happen. But, um, but, you know, these are big, 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 you know, big players in the industry that you're talking about that's doing stuff like this. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, you got, um, all kinds of stuff like um, hedge funds and you know it's you know a lot of big money. It's not it's, not, it's just not folks like me and you, but but it's that same mentality that you can see from the traders. So, um, Josh, I wanted to mention that I will be again nominated for one to watch in the um, pipeline in the Energy Expo conference. And so, I'm trying to actually I didn't tell you this I'm trying to actually get the folks on there and trying to get the other finalists on, you know, so we can get them on and you know hear what they do and you know hopefully learn something from them um, before the conference. So hopefully That's we can yeah that'd be uh, uh, yeah, i'd love to get them on so i need to reach out to uh the folks who who got with me and hopefully we can get them on and you know promote the conference promote the event. it's a good thing they're doing there and um you you're not a finalist so have you confirmed that right
1: I'm not a finalist. I'm not a
0: finalist. Okay. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I just couldn't take it. I couldn't take it <laughs> if I got up there and you were there. <laughs> I couldn't take it. I just don't think I could handle that action. Um, book is coming out soon. Alfonso Colin, Bottle and myself. Oil and Gas Carrier book coming out soon. Working on that. I know Josh has read a rough draft of it and um, about to send out some other folks to get their opinion. And then um, Energy Research Firm working on that. And we said March 1, but boy, March 1 is just like less than a week away so i don't know if March one's gonna happen or not but we are working hard on that and so um a lot of stuff going on josh man a lot of stuff behind the scenes and uh just a busy time it's a good time of the year it's starting to warm well it's cold today but you're kind of seeing the light i think we we changed the time next week is that right two weeks from now is getting close the time change coming up yeah, it is. um nice. it's the longer days which means fishing time and fishing weather so it's uh it's a great time in texas but um josh anything else before we get out here today, buddy? Ah man,
1: I think that's
0: it. I think that uh, Okay. Okay. Well folks, if you would like to see the six day a week show that we do, it is open phone. It's not phone, but open Instagram. So if you want to hop on, ask a question. I am there six days a week um, at Texas One Gas Podcast. And until next time, keep climbing.